0: My name is Dan Hale, and I'm a teacher in class A57 along with Gregory Baines. And today, I get the privilege of continuing with you in our study of Luke. Last week, Russ Adams introduced us to the book of Luke and introduced us to the characters of Zachariah, Elizabeth, and John the Baptist. Today, we get to continue our study of events that lead up to the birth of Christ. But before we get started today, Let's stop and bow our heads and ask God to bless us in our time. Dear Heavenly Father, what a privilege to open your word and study with our church body the events leading up to the first advent. I thank you that your plan before the foundation of the world was to create a people of God from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Thank you for your mercy and grace that allows us to be part of that plan. Please bless our time And I pray for guidance on my words that everything I say would be pleasing to you. Open all our hearts, make them tender for your truths, that through our study this morning we may be changed or encouraged toward your likeness. In Christ's name, amen. Well, have you ever looked at something beautiful from a distance or from a great distance as in an airplane? I remember flying into Kauai, Hawaii. It is uh, where many of the tropical movies are and were filmed, such as uh, Jurassic Park. It is uh, known as uh, one of the wettest places on earth, land of a thousand waterfalls. The vegetation is lush with uh, colors that can, uh, it's hard to describe. They have to be seen to be fully appreciated. I can remember seeing it from a distance, not fully uh, realized, uh, comprehending it, but starting to appreciate its beauty, uh, seeing many of the colors separate, but not yet vivid. But when I stepped off the airplane and walked into the country, I saw for myself the beauty, and it was breathtaking. This is what I feel when I read about the first advent, and more specifically, the Christmas story that began to be painted for us in the Old Testament. Like one of Monet's watercolors, the picture is seen, but the edges are not clearly defined yet. We just finished up in Isaiah and with all the prophecies foretelling of the servant Messiah that was going to come and bring peace and reconciliation. This gave us a basic picture of what we were going to see up close. Now that we are in Luke, we get to experience firsthand all the beauty that before the Old Testament Jews could only imagine. So just a quick review on last week, um, we uh, talked about uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and uh, they were righteous before God, but they were childless. And Zechariah was in the temple, Gabriel appeared to him. He doubted the message that his wife would have, that they would have a child, and he was uh, mute because of that. And later on, we do find out that, of course, she became pregnant. So a focus today is going to be in Luke 1, verses 26 through 38. And uh, we're gonna talk a little bit of background and uh, talk about Gabriel's uh, greeting, that initial part. Uh, Number two, Gabriel's message, and then finally, look at Mary's response. And at the end, I want to read with you the Magnificat, and that's Mary's worship of God in front of Elizabeth. So let's go ahead and start our reading today. Uh, I'm going to read for you out of the New King James Version, chapter 1 of Luke, verses 26 through 29. And considered what manner of greeting this was. Well, let's begin working through our introduction in these uh, first few verses here. First of all, Luke is very historical. He gives a little timetable that says, um, now in the sixth month. And uh, most commentators tend to think this is based on Elizabeth's pregnancy. If uh, you look down in verse 36, as part of Gabriel's message, he says, uh, now this is uh, it, now she is in the sixth month. So uh, the timing is, is probably based on her pregnancy, and uh, since that was also the, the pre, what Luke talked uh, about previous in the, in the verses before. Also, it's interesting to note that Nazareth is mentioned. And uh, Nazareth was basically a small little... A village or town 70 miles north of Jerusalem, never mentioned in the Old Testament. It was a very humble place, uh, probably very poor people, and um, usually if someone had mentioned uh, that you were a Nazarene, they weren't giving you a compliment. And uh, of course, uh, uh, Jesus was also called Jesus of Nazareth. And even Nathanael when he was being introduced to jesus mentioned in john one forty six, says can any good thing come out of nazareth and uh, anyway it kind of reminds me of the verse 2 that says uh, god has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise and he chose the town of nazareth as the uh, who where was the home of both mary and joseph but later on of course we find out that that is not where Jesus was born. Now let's continue looking at verse twenty-seven. It does mention that Jesus or that Mary was a virgin, and uh, this is important uh, to note. Uh, and it, it, number one, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. We find out in Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call and you shall call his name Emmanuel. John MacArthur says the nature of Christ's conception through supernatural testifies to his deity and sinlessness. Bottom line is the DNA of sin was not in Christ. When um, the christian faith is attacked and specifically more more christ himself uh, his uh, that he was truly god his deity or the attack is that he was fully man uh, his humanness or that he rose from the dead and anybody that uh, takes away from the virgin birth takes away uh, basically from the deity of christ and Later on, we find out that uh, Mary's response uh, understands that this conception was going to happen before she was married. Let's move on. And uh, it mentions something else, and it talks about the concept of betrothal, uh, being betrothed. And uh, I was interested in this and trying to get a little bit more information on this. So I did a little research and, and pulled up online the 1906 Jewish Encyclopedia. And the title of it is Betrothal and Home Taking, basically separating uh, the whole, uh, not necessarily ceremony, uh, but uh, the but marriage being in two parts uh, for the Jewish people and their tradition at this time. Betrothal, when you made a commitment, and then home taking, when the uh, bridegroom actually brought his bride into his house. Let me just read you a little bit, a small paragraph that helps give a little bit more information on this. The families agreed to marriage and a legal document was prepared. During the betrothal ceremony, like a wedding ceremony, there was a celebration and the, document were, and the documents were signed and agreed upon by families as well as the bride and groom. They were considered married, but no physical consummation yet. This was time for the bride to prepare herself and the bridegroom to ready himself for his bride. It was considered indispensable by the rabbis that a man should gain the goodwill and consent of his prospective bride before entering into marriage, and this time was also used for that purpose. This period of time was approximately 12 months, but was shortened in modern times. So during the betrothal period, uh, it was actually as if you were married, uh, so therefore, if there was any type of infidelity, it was considered adultery. And so I think it's important uh, to understand that as you um, kind of see how this announcement and maybe even put your, were able to put yourself in the shoes of Mary during this time. Uh, we look at something else that says Joseph of the house of David, and this fulfills the covenant that David uh, that was given to David in 2 Samuel seven twelve through 13. These verses read, When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seat after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. A little bit later on in verse 16, it says, And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Um, so, this part again a fulfillment of prophecy to David that he would have a king on the throne and of course uh, in Matthew we see the lineage uh, of uh, of Christ how he is he does come from uh, the seed of uh, David through Mary and of course we said the virgin birth uh, he was um, virgin uh, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary we'll find out later on that part So in in verse 28, we have a friendly greeting. But in verse 29, we find out Mary was troubled. Um, And so there was her perplexing there, trying to understand, maybe a little bit of anxiety. It doesn't say she was fearful, but just maybe confused a little bit and uncertain. Uh, Very interesting that when talking on the response of both Daniel and Zechariah, and these were two individuals that Gabriel had appeared to before. Of course, Daniel in the Old Testament, it says in Daniel eight seventeen, I was afraid and fell down on my face. This was Daniel's response. We find out in verse 12 of chapter 1 of Luke that it says that Zechariah was troubled and that he, fear fell upon him. But here it says Mary was only troubled. I just thought that was interesting. Uh, Here you have uh, two men lived many years in their life, uh, and we saw the the amount of fear on them, but we see in uh, this verse that Mary, a 16 and 19-year-old girl, is is just troubled. Uh, But ultimately, we do say it did rattle her, and she was trying to put it into the context of her life. All right, so that's the introduction to kind of the greeting and about Mary herself and Joseph. So let's continue uh, and read about the message that uh, Gabriel gave her, and that's found in Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 33. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great And will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end so uh, again in verse 30 Gabriel told her just like uh, he had told Daniel and Zachariah you know don't be afraid but his specific message to her was number one that you will conceive you will have a son and you will name him Jesus and this is the Greek form of the Hebrew word Joshua or Jeshua and it means Yahweh saves and uh, so he will not be named after his earthly father Joseph um, which was very common in that point point. And this is, uh, I think, significant also because it shows uh, that God named him and equality with the Father and, uh, of course, the name Jesus. Uh, And it also describes the specific mission he will have. Uh, It says that he will be great. And that was the same message about John the Baptist. But what was different, of course, about John the Baptist is the messianic descriptions that came next says the son of the highest and of course as i said before naming the son and it gives equality with god to jesus and uh, all continuing to establish before birth his divine deity he will be given uh, the throne of his father david forever and we talked about that of his kingdom uh, no end to his kingdom setting the stage for the redemption of the world Uh, which of course was the plan from the beginning as early as genesis 12 1-3 in the abrahamic covenant where it says and you and all your families of the earth will be blessed again in isaiah 49 6 i will also give you as a light to the gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth and one last verse in psalms 67 2 that your way may be known on earth your salvation among all nations so we see this as a continuation of the narrative of the Bible of God in his plan to redeem a people from every tribe tongue and nation we see it in the Old Testament and we see it even here in this message uh, that Gabriel gave to Mary well, let's continue reading in verses 34 through 38 Mary's response to the angels message then Mary said to the angel and Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. kind of wonder what was going through Mary's head. I'm sure concern, uh, thinking of scandal, a reflection on her family, a uh, reflection on her, her own safety. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe punishment for the adultery uh, that she could be accused of. And, of course, uh, we know that uh, the punishment was uh, stoning. All very serious, but you don't see a lot of a fear there. You just see kind of some perplexing questions. Um, and, and also, in verse 34, by Mary's response, uh, you could understand that the angel was speaking of an immediate conception because of that. And Mary was just trying to figure out how it could happen. Uh, not doubting that it would happen necessarily, but how it would happen since she was not married and was still remaining a virgin. Um, and it's, I think it's important to note um, that the, the, the difference in response of, uh, of Zachariah and Mary um because we know if we look back in chapter 1 verse 12 uh zachariah doubted but doubted without belief and he was scolded by gabriel and he was uh, made mute and it says in uh, chapter 1 verse 20 it says because you did not believe any words which will be fulfilled in their own time and that was in reference to his disbelief of his barren wife becoming uh, pregnant. But Mary didn't get the same response from Gabriel. Gabriel explained to her how it would be happen and it would be a supernatural event as the Holy Spirit came upon her. And then we see her resting completely in peace in verse uh, 38. And if you look down to verse 45, uh, it's also Elizabeth recognized Mary's faith because she said, Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And And so I think that's important to note um, that Mary's re- response uh, was not a skepticism like Zechariah, uh, Zachariah, but more or less uh uh, kind of more information to want to fill in the gaps to how this could take place. Um, and I think also in verse 37, one of the, the really neat verses, it says, Gabriel told her, for with God, nothing will be impossible. And then we see in the next verse that she totally re- rested in, in peacefully with that Uh, when she said in verse 38, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And so you just see such a peacefulness with Mary. uh, Once she uh, understood that this is how God was going to do it, it was going to be a supernatural event, and she said, let it be. And it kind of reminds me of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he cried out to God asking him to let this cup pass and uh, finally submitting to the will of the father uh, Christ just said uh, not my will uh, but yours be done and so I I just love it to see her totally submitting herself to the plan and resting peacefully in it well the the rest of the chapter uh, Mary goes and visited visits Elizabeth Uh, they have a great reunion sharing with each other Um, and then later on uh we see John the Baptist uh being born and um Zechariah regaining his speech and then we see Zechariah praising God in the very end of the chapter uh in Luke chapter 1 it has John the Baptist uh going to the wilderness basically for a period of time um and uh Prepare or waiting and being prepared for the mission that he was going to have as being the forerunner of Christ. And so I just think that's, uh, that's beautiful. So, what's our, what's our take home from this? Um, first, the redemption of man that was planned before the foundation of the world culminates in the first advent of Christ. This is the story of the Bible. I was discussing the Bible with uh, another pilot I was flying with a few weeks ago, a Lebanese man who has uh, roots in the Muslim faith. We were talking about the Old Testament. He was telling me that, that God was different in the Old Testament, trying to say that the New Testament and the Old Testament are totally different, as in independent, and not coherent with each other. Of course, the correct interpretation of the Bible is as one continuous coherent story god's grand narrative of of god reconciling man to himself both the old testament and new testament are necessary in the story of creation the fall redemption and restoration here in the christmas story we begin the part of redemption and number two gabriel's message to mary and Mary's response, when he said nothing is impossible to impossible with God, we must have a settled faith that God can and will accomplish what He promises. It is all right to ask God for maybe clarification to help maybe fill in or shore up our faith, uh, but not to react in doubt. Uh, and by this I mean doubting His ability to accomplish His plan or doubting His control over our lives. I, uh, I want to read a few verses for you that are along this same theme, and it stretches from Gen- uh, Genesis even to the New Testament. And it's in Genesis eighteen fourteen. It says, "Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son." And that was when a child, a son, was promised to Abraham. Also in Jeremiah thirty two seventeen, we read ah sovereign lord you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm nothing is too hard for you god has created the heavens and the earth if he can do that there is nothing too hard for him and finally in matthew nineteen twenty-six, uh, jesus looked at them and said with man this is impossible but with god all things are possible The context of this verse is the difficulty of a rich man entering the kingdom of god and his disciples basically said well how can anybody become a christ follower or go to heaven Um, and i don't know about you but this gives me great encouragement as i pray for the man like that lebanese uh, muslim man and also uh, ones that i'm concerned about to come to christ that salvation and a change on a life uh, in of itself, uh, making, uh, creating, uh, if any man is a Christ, he is a new creation. So God coming down and, and, uh, making live what is dead is outside of us. It's supernatural. And, and to know that God does that on a regular basis. And so that gives me peace that with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Additionally, we live in uncertain times right now, of course. Uh, we have the coronavirus that is around. We have many people out of work, and some people with less work, and trying to even make ends meet is difficult, and, and along with having medical issues of the virus. And so, I, you know, I realize that there's a lot of things that we, that we face there, and it takes takes our faith uh, to help uh, continuing on. And I was looking online, and uh, I saw this these four items, and it was listed under a checklist. And this is what, this is the name of the checklist. Nothing is impossible with God. Then why isn't God helping? Checklist. So I thought that was interesting, and I would share it with you. And it gave four things as your you're praying and uh, seeking god's will and just uh, have just wondering if he's out there if he's a, if he's there if he's listening and it says do i believe it um, and of course we know in the new testament the verse where it talks the young the man uh, wanting healing for a son he said lord i believe but help thou help my unbelief and we know zachariah was a righteous man and still doubted so there's there's always grace to our lack of faith uh, but god uh, exp- uh, we need to have a strong faith and believe uh, number two are my motives right are my motives right number three how does it align with god's will and finally Number four, we kind of circle back, am I willing to trust God? Well, we can rest in his promises and live peacefully, or we can doubt the fullness of God and live a, <clears throat> a mute life like Zechariah. Either way, what God purposes will be done. We will just miss out on a full life of living in faith. The Bible says, watch and pray. Finally, I wanted to end and read uh, Mary's worship of God in uh, Luke 1:46 through 55, and I'm going to close with this. And I want to encourage you to think about, as the very beginning of this, it talks about the uh, she when she worships God. God is a very personal God to her, and uh, I just think this is a neat passage uh, to end on. And I wanted to end on this verse. 46 my soul magnifies the lord and my spirit has rejoiced in god in the god of my savior for he has regarded the lowly state of his maid servant for behold henceforth all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation He has shown strength with his arm he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty he has helped his servant israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to abraham and to his seed forever pray with me now dear god i just thank you for your word and your scripture and i Uh, I thank you for the truth of it. I thank you for the testimony of Mary's faith. And uh, Lord, most importantly, I thank you for Jesus Christ who came down and started that part of redemption history in uh, uh, the period of time. I thank you as we continue uh, during this holiday, even uh, among wearing masks and many having the coronavirus, uh, with our neighbors, Lord, that we would uh, f- be able to share with them the gospel of Christ and uh, that this time uh, would be sp- special in that way and uh, we would not let anything get in the way, even masks that would impede our witness to those around us. I pray for our church. I pray for miss uh, mercy uh, with this virus lord that uh, the vaccine would come and healing would come on uh, on our nation i ask this in your name amen